Go for it! You were on mic! Oh, okay. So, through playing Metal Gear Solid Five so far, I haven't seen a whole lot of story, and I don't think a lot of answers are going to be answered. And the series has always been about taking two different elements and gelling them together. So there would be these comedy elements and these moments of levity interspliced with very deep, uh, you know, geopolitical rhetoric. And then these moments of uh, surrealness matched in with the framing device of real life, you know, military weapons. And you just mix that with like magic and all this other stuff. And this game doesn't do that as well. It has all of those elements in there, but they don't gel just right like they have in the past. So I have decided to ignore all of the serious stuff. And I've realized that over the years, they have taken Big Boss from being this iconic, legendary soldier, and they've turned him into a person who owns a base where silly shit happens all the time. <laughs> and he's basically Peter Griffin from Family Guy. <laughs> that's that's all he does now. He just goes around and attaches balloons to things and just, like, quietly laughs to himself inside. He's like, I did that for my own enjoyment and, and no one else's. It's like, what are you going to do with that, you know, Humvee that you just balloon lifted out of the country? I don't know. It doesn't really matter now because I've done the thing that I wanted to do. It's like, are you are you going to sell that? It's like, no. The balloon and the equipment to lift that was way more expensive than the jeep was. It's like, I, I just I just really wanted to do that. I've never. I think this is the best way to perceive Metal Gear, the Metal Gear series from this point forward. Um, wow. That's I, that's my canon now. Is it? This is my he, he does he doesn't even talk anymore. He just like silently grunts here and there and says one or two ominous things. So I, I just retcon it in my head and just give him Peter Griffin's voice. This is my preferred <laughs> version of uh, of um, of Metal Gear Solid Five. Now this is my preferred version of of Big Boss. You you actually get um, morale boost for your soldiers if you go around and beat them up. What? So, like, all of his soldiers are sadomasochists, and they just love having the shit kicked in. <laughs> so, he's he's just a a very id-based character now, where he's just like, yeah, I want to paint my guns pink. It's like, okay, you can do that. It's like, yeah, I want to have a giant military base, and I want to paint it pink. You go right ahead. I... I... <laughs> I still remember the controversy that came when uh, was it was it David Hayter, who was yeah. the original voice. Mm-hmm. Well, I still remember the controversy when they replaced him with Seth MacFarlane. You know, so yes, yes, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> you you never hear a twenty four guy ever say anything, so it's not like it matters. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, on that goofy and lighthearted note. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Undercooked Analysis. This is a return to Short and Shivery. We'll say Short and Shivery Volume 2. And uh, we are once again joined by our special guest, Nick Nocturne of Nightmind. Hello, everybody. Who's been surprisingly, who was surprisingly quiet during that whole um, anecdote. How much do you know about that Metal Gear? I play Metal Gear. Still got to get my hands on that system. Mm. Have, have you played any of the other Metal Gears? 
I still I was waiting for an opportunity to really have uh, and the the way that I go with things is that if I if I can't binge it and get the get the story all at one time it's like I'm not doing enough I'm not putting in enough effort so I have not yet had a moment to really sit down and indulge myself in the world of Metal Gear if you do but that, I do know of it you, you can play everything skip Peace Walker <laughs> don't need it seriously don't need it. <laughs> One, two, three, four, and five, you're fine. Peace Walker's nothing. <laughs> Got it. Fair enough. I, I feel the same way. I'm like an otaku when it comes to those sorts of things. I need all of it right then and there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like uh, three months ago, I, I hadn't seen any alien movies since I was a kid. So I just sat down and watched every alien and every predator and every alien versus predator movie <laughs> in like a week. Wow. Yeah, my mind was pretty rattled after that. You put yourself yeah, in a vault. That would be me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, anyway. at least you did your homework. That's the important thing, really. Mm. So, um, tonight on uh, we've got another a couple of stories to share, um, and the three of us are going to go through them. And um, I know that um, I've not read the story that um, Dead Palette is offering. Uh, Dead Palette has not read the story that I'm offering, and Nick, well, Nick's just kind of in the middle. I'm not sure if he he knows what either of these things are. Looking at um, looking at Pale Luna now, I'm actually kind of remembering. I do sort of remember the premise of this, but I'm not sure if I've read the full story. Ooh. All right. Uh, yeah, I, we should actually reveal what we're sharing tonight, I suppose. Whoops. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Spoilers. No, it's okay. Um, I've, I'm pitching to the group a story called Pale Luna. And Dead Palette. Who's gone to the bathroom? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm doing Mount Pleasant. Mm. Not to be confused with Point Pleasant. No. <laughs> so, considering we both have these stories to share, uh, I'm going to have Nick be our tiebreaker. Which, which, would you, which should we read first? Hmm. Let's get uh, let's get Pale Luna out of the way. Let's let's do that first. Let's let's read your shitty story first. That way we can get to mine. Oh, of course, <laughs> fine. Then. No, no, just that I'm thinking. Let, let's let's refresh. Let's see, uh, Pale Luna, because now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, let let's go. Let's let's find out what this was about again. How this went. All right. Uh, and now, and the question is, who wants to? We're gonna do this popcorn style. So, who wants to take? Who wants to start reading it first? Uh, that's your story. How about you go for it? All right, I'll go. You wrote it. Yes. He's taking credit for it. I also wrote pen pals. Not nice to meet you, one thousand vultures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here waiting to see if you guys are serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Someone said I should. I should take. We should look into pen pals at some point. But um, I, think that, I think that would be fun. I've heard a lot about that. I've heard it very, very praised. Um, it's I don't I really don't know how much there is to analyze there because it's 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 good and so it's really really hard to pick apart what it's doing and especially since it's very easy to understand it. Uh -huh. It's almost a more classical story than uh, creepy pasta. I would well, still say it's a creepy pasta, but it's yeah. it's it's more 
uh, classically formulated. Well, it'd be like, yeah, let's, I'd, like, I sometimes think about, like, what would, uh, I mean, we have to keep it pretty much exclusively to creepypasta, because sometimes it's crossed my mind, well, what if we run out of creepypasta to do? And the thing is, we'll never run out of no. creepypasta to do. So, here's the order. Um, I'll go first, and then um, you two can fight over who gets the next paragraph. Okay, I'll go, and next after that. Yep, uh, I'm good with that. Well, that was All easy. Right. All right. In the last decade and a half, it's become infinitely easier to obtain exactly what you're looking for by way of a couple of keystrokes. The internet has made it all too simple to use a computer to change reality. An abundance of information is merely a search engine away to the point where it's hard to imagine life as any different. Yet, a generation ago, when the words streaming and torrent were meaningless, say, for conversations about water, people would... Uh, meet face-to-face to to conduct software swap parties, trading games and applications on Sharpie-labeled five-and-a-half-quarter-inch floppies. I didn't know they were that size. Anyway. Of course, most of the time, the meets were a way for frugal, community-minded individuals to trade popular games like King's Quest, Maniac Mansion, all among themselves. However, a few early programming talents designed their own computer games to share amongst their circle of acquaintances, who in turn would pass it on until, if fun and well-designed enough, an independently developed game had its place in the collection of aficionados across the country. Think of it as the 80s equivalent of a viral video. Pale Luna, on the other hand, was never circulated outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. All known copies have have been long disposed of. All computers that have ever run the game... Now to treatise, buried under layers of filth and polystyrene. The last, this fact is attributed to a number of rather ab- abstruse, 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 ab- abstruse, abstruse design choices made by its programmer. Pale Luna was a text-based adventure in the vein of Zork and the Lurking Horror, at the time when said genre was swiftly going out of fashion. Upon booting the program. The player was presented with a screen almost completely blank, except for the text. You are in a dark room. Moonlight shines through the window. There is gold in the corner along with a shovel and a rope. There is a door to the east. Command? So began the game that one writer for a long out-of-print fanzine decried as enigmatic, nonsensical, and completely unplayable. As the only commands that the game would accept were... Pick up gold, pick up shovel, pick up rope, open door, and go east. The player was soon presented with the following. Reap your reward. Pale Luna smiles at you. You are in a forest. There are paths through the north, west, and east. Command? What quickly infuriated the few who played the game was the confusing and buggy nature of the second screen onwards. Only one of the direction directional decisions would be the correct one. For example, on this occasion, the command to go in the direction other than north would lead to the system freezing, requiring the operator to hard reboot the entire computer. Further, any subsequent screen seemed to merely repeat above the text, with the difference being only the directions available. Worse still, the standard text adventure commands appeared to be useless. The only accepted non-movement-related prompts were Use Gold, which caused the game to display the message, Not Here. Use Shovel, which brought up, Not Now. And Use Rope, which prompted the text, 
You've already used this. Most who played the game progressed a couple of screens into, into it before becoming fed up by having to constantly reboot and tossing the disc in disgust, writing off the experience as a shoddily programmed farce. However, there is one thing about the world of computer. However, there is one thing about the world of computers that remains true, no matter the era. Some people who use them have way too much time on their hands. A young man by the name of Michael Nevins decided to see if there was more to Pale Luna than met the eye. Five hours and thirty-three screens worth of trial and error and unplugged computer cords later, he finally managed to make the game display different text. The text in this new area read, Pale Luna smiles wide. There are no paths. Pale Luna smiles wide. The ground is soft. Pale Luna smiles wide. Here. Command? It was another hour still before Nevin stumbled upon the proper combination of phrases to make the game progress any further. Dig hole, drop gold, then fill hole. This caused the screen to display... Congratulations, 40.242448 minus 121.4434. Upon which the game ceased to accept commands, requiring the user to reboot one last time. After some deliberation, Nevins came to the conclusion that the numbers referred to the lines of latitude and longitude. The coordinates led to the point on the sprawling forest that dominated the nearby Lessig Volcanic Park. As he possessed much more free time that, uh, than since, Nevins vowed to see Pale Luna through to its ending. The next day, armed with a map, a compass, and a shovel, he navigated the park's trails, noting with amusement how each turn he made corresponded roughly to those that he took in-game. Though he initially regretted bringing the cumbersome digging tool on a mere hunch, the path's similarity all but confirmed his suspicions that the journey would end with him face-to-face -face with an eccentric's buried treasure. Out of breath, after, tricking, uh, after a tricky struggle to the coordinates, he was pleasantly surprised by the literal stumble upon a patch of uneven dirt. Shoveling as excited as he was, it would be an understatement to say that he was taken aback when his heavy strokes unearthed a badly decomposing head of a blonde-haired little girl. Nevins promptly reported the situation to the authorities. The girl was identified as Karen Paulson, 11, reported as missing to the San Diego Police Department a year and a half prior. Efforts were made to track down the programmer of Pale Luna, but the nearly anonymous legal gray area in which the software swapping community operated inescapably led to many dead ends. The collectors have been known to offer upwards of six figures for an authentic copy of the game. The rest of Karen's body was never found. That's Our, good. Yeah? That's good. I, I told That's, you. I like it. So, so the reason I wanted to present this one to you guys is um, this is one of those gaming... Here's the thing. A lot of haunted gaming pasta, quote-unquote haunted gaming, they have that whole idea. It's like, here's a familiar game from your childhood, and it's messed up. I'm more akin... I tend to like the ones that say, here's a game you've never heard to before, 
and heard of, and this is, and and something weird is happening here. Here's the problem with those kinds of stories, the the latter one rather than the former one, is that how do you come up with an original concept for a game that you haven't seen before or heard of before or can't Google? Well, that's holy shit! How did we never think of this? It's so <laughs> obvious and it's so well done. Are you talking about like this? The, yeah, the concept of um, back in the day when you had, uh, you know, just floppy disk swapping people, because mm-hmm. because this is a real phenomenon, mm-hmm. and I've and I've already heard of this, so I don't know why I didn't make the connection that people used to do this. Which is why I wanted to bring this story up because this story addresses that amazingly, <laughs> as opposed to some other stories that I do like, like the theater that don't address it as well just by saying like, well, you, you just never heard of it. It's like, uh, really? Mm-hmm. But no, this is, this is a genuine concept for why I wouldn't have heard of this game. Mm-hmm. Plus, also, also great title. Yeah. That has a good payoff. Way, way up down. What, what was that? You're yeah, talking to me or Nick. Uh, believability. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things is that, well, huh? Huh? What? I think you're lagging a know. bit. You just talked. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we got a bit jumbled up there. Um, but no, it's what I was going to say is that the believability of this story is way up there as, as a verse to, you know, one of those classic stories where uh, one of the old games from your childhood, one that we all know very well, one that's been an established entity, is haunted somehow or corrupted. This this is a lot more believable. The premise works very, very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I- it works because, let's say that you are a techie person, and you have the desire to uh, serial kill someone or kill someone uh, significant. Because I would say that whoever programmed this game, this girl was probably significant to him in some way, because he's given her this like romantic-sounding name like Pale Luna, and so, the, like, if I'm in that situation. I could get away with this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could conceivably get away with this and people wouldn't be able to figure it out in time to track you down. Absolutely. Computer forensics uh, is only a recent phenomenon really. So back in the day when this was occurring, it just, it wasn't thought of to be able to track people who could use this for crime elements like that. So, yeah, when, when it comes to the believability, it's way up there. When it comes to the idea that somebody could easily do this, get away with it, and that the legend could continue without somebody being caught, absolutely so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I, uh, the other thing, too, is just th- there are, you, again, the ambiguity of the story is also preserved. You don't know anything about the programmer. You don't know why any of this happened. Um, and you also got to wonder how... Um, what the time frame was for this story, because they they do tell you when the uh, when the girl Karen Paulson went missing, and you now you have a time frame between when that happened and how long it took for them to for the game to circulate and then for them to find her her head. And the fact that gold is an analogy for the head is pretty creepy. <laughs> Mm, and you know what? The fact that it's been circulating for about a year and a half at swamp parties means that that's kind of similar to the way that somebody could use several proxy servers to just slide through. You cannot trace that trail back unless you found every single person who has had their hands on it 
And again, mm-hmm. in illegal circles like this, where, you know, as it said, they kind of avoid the law, good luck finding the person who made this. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I think we have so much controversy right now with uh, things involving tech and people not knowing how to deal with it yet, because as, as much as we are accustomed to it now, it's still really new and very fresh. And as you mentioned, there's um, not a whole lot that goes on with uh, forensics in, the, in terms of technology, and that's why you have conversations about the NSA and everything because they're just there. It's just such an undefined legal gray area because it's such a new frontier. And that new frontier has prevented a lot of believable stories. And so you have to find these like weird little niches where you can actually successfully put a story. And I'm surprised this one hasn't been filled yet. Absolutely. I'm surprised this, it wasn't filled be before true. this. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, could it be true as a creepypasta? Absolutely, yes. I can definitely see this having been real if, you know, it wasn't a creepypasta. <laughs> but that's, that's like the basis of, is it good? Yeah, because you can believe it. Mm-hmm. And it is scary. Every single aspect of it works. You could put this on a list with more down-to-earth stories, hide this in there, and people would believe it. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. Without fact-checking. Mm-hmm. It gives so. you just enough, like, time, place, and um, little detail to... It gives, you your, it gives enough of your favorite term ever, the Fleming effect, Yes. To, uh, to, to, you know, ease us into the idea that there's this game someone made that inevitably leads to a, a, a corpse or a part of one. And what I find so interesting about it, too, is it's, it's, it's not really, like... It's not really a supernatural story either. Like this could conceivably happen. What's What's also good about it is that it's setting up like it is supernatural. Yeah, because you've got to wonder about some of the really cryptic stuff, like Pale Luna smiles wide. Or... That, that's it's it's all very religious, poetic sounding language, mm-hmm. and so that really pulls you into uh, the mindset of, and especially coming into this knowing about haunted cartridge stuff. It's it's a bit of a sucker punch when you get to the end. It's good, right? What I find what I find really creepy as sort of a fridge horror effect is when you go back and you look at some of the ways the items were used. Like for example, use gold, not here. Use shovel, not now. And when you go to use rope, you've already used this. You've already used that. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. It's yeah. 10 out of 10. You're, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really impressed with this one. It's, And especially bringing up uh, something like King's Quest, which is a game that's known to be uh, enigmatic, nonsensical, and completely unplayable as well. Uh-huh. Or, <laughs> and you know, and people, people have fond memories of that game because that was you know, what was available at the time. And so to say that there was something else that was doing something similar but was less endearing is very believable as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's just, it's good. And, and to be honest, I, I'm surprised I didn't think of this one before. Cause this, uh, when I really first started getting an interest in creepypasta, this is actually one of the first ones I read. Oh really? I'm not even kidding. And it's credited to Ed. Thank you, Ed, whoever you are. It's the, it's the fat one from Ed, Ed and Eddie. <laughs> 
Sure, <laughs> All right. Uh, Should we uh, move on then? Let's move on to Mount Pleasant, shall we? All right. I guess we should take the same order as last time. Uh, me starting it still, or no? I'll start. Yes. Okay. Fine. Do that. So it'll go you, then Nick, then me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Mount Pleasant is one of those little suburban communities that seems to have spilled out across the rural Ontario countryside in recent years. Oh, God, not bringing up Ontario again. We're not going back to Ontario. Um. Um. (laughs) Be strong. Continue. Like many of its breed, it contains an endless procession of tiny, reasonably sized houses neatly lined up by the sides of the streets with names like Sunnyview Road. Grovewood Drive, and Orange Tree Gate. Even the names of the community itself is unspectacular. As a matter of fact, there are eight different Mount Pleasants in Ontario alone. However, on the morning of March 12, 2008, some of its residents awoke to a bewildering surprise. Alongside a small, sleepy road called Emmett Circle, there appeared to be one more streetlight that had illuminated the road the night before. The mysterious lamppost stood as tall and weather-worn as its neighbors. Even the snow around it seemed undisturbed. Although curious locals who draw near enough reported hearing a faint, directionless humming when in close proximity. Oh, this is starting to feel familiar. I probably have read this before. Inquiring calls were placed to the local municipality office, but all were responded to in befuddled tones. It appeared no one had ordered the unusual nighttime installment. The world continued to turn, though. And the sun set on March 12th, leaving those who had witnessed the oddity with no more information than they had they had had at the beginning of the day. March 13th only brought more mystery. There lay only undisturbed virgin snow where the perplexing lamppost had stood the evening before. Immediate and the government workers who had been called down to inspect the partic- peculi- uh, peculiarity found nothing, and any investigation ceased written off for the most part as an elaborate community gag. And the days that followed, another strange occurrence gradually surfaced. Pleading signs and posters began to coat any accommodating surface of the streets. Nearly 15 outdoor cats and dogs, kept as pets in a surrounding radius of about two kilometers, were reported missing in the following week. Many of them were last seen sometime between the 11th and the 13th. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this Same is reaction. this is vague central, and I like it. That's <laughs> it's it's it. Okay, so it feels really anecdotal. Like it's just recounting some weird thing that happened, and it's not overtly creepy, but there is a genuinely creepy element to it. It's, it feels yeah. it feels um almost Twilight Zone esque. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys think, so I'm going to kind of withhold my judgment, okay. say for the fact that I picked out this story, and I kind of already blew my load by telling you guys I like this story, so uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, well, I, tamper your first impressions, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Okay. The funny thing is, yeah. I do recall having read this story a while ago, but not many of the details, which is also eerie in itself. Sorry, uh, go ahead, Nick. Oh yeah, the the um the effect that this has on me thinking about it. Um, do you guys remember uh, back during Halo Two 
when when you could find the skulls, the Easter egg skulls. Yeah. Uh-huh. The effect that you feel when you found one of those skulls where it's just why is this here? What is how did this get here? Everything about it just feels wrong and out of place. That that kind of creepy atmosphere. That that's a that's the kind of feel I get from this story and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the thing that should not be and then suddenly wasn't. It was just gone. It was it was a blip. And mm-hmm. and there's there's no reason for it to be weird. No, there's, there's not. nothing. There's nothing strange about this story. No, uh, overtly, it just makes you feel that way. Yeah, mm, it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's, that's yeah. That's it, definitely I the think, impression I get. I always think that it's very important to make people not exactly understand why they feel uncomfortable, and we have two things that probably that that can occur. One of them that's a little more far-fetched, but two things that ultimately can occur, and we have no reason to believe that they're correlated, except for our human minds make them correlate. And I don't think it's just that they're presented within the same story. I think if you were in this situation, you would make them correlate as well, (laughs) even though we have no logical reason to. Why would cats disappearing have anything to do with this lamppost? Boom, no answer. No answer. And yet... Precisely. Yeah, it's, I was thinking about that earlier. Like, that that's one of the effects the stories has, is that it prevents two strange situations, and your mind immediately wants to make a connection, because both of them are odd at the same time, but what evidence do you have? And they happen in a short span of each other, so... Mm-hmm. And, and it's also, um, I think, something that's pretty intertwined with creepypasta and especially the the more video-based ARG kind of things is the lo-fi quality to it. So the fact that the cameras aren't top-notch lends believability to it because they're like, it it makes them seem more real Mm -hmm. because I think some of, I think some found footage horror kind of loses its impact if it's too polished. Yeah. You know, if you have polish, you have to explain that polish uh, as well as explaining who's holding the camera but you have this lo-fi quality and the directionless humming that is coming from close proximity to the lamppost, I think evokes that in your mind, mm-hmm. that, that low quality, like technology, technology kind of hum. That's what it puts into my mind. Yeah. The, the humming was a nice, was a nice detail. Cause you know, sometimes I, that has happened where I've walked, under a streetlight and heard that and always thought to myself that's 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 unsettling there's something unsettling about that when there's a, a lo-fi kind of hum you know it, and it is kind of a pleasurable thing it's a pleasurable kind of um strangeness yeah you're like ooh, hmm it's it's like it all it almost feels like home like you're going on a nice walk you uh-huh. know and you just hear the this weird ambiance of your neighborhood yeah it awakens the senses in a way that they're not often stimulated. And that's what Precisely. I can relate to it. Oh, I totally see that. Uh, in, there's, there's absolutely the possibility that 15 outdoor cats and dogs could go missing, and it could be a person who's like a child who's going to grow up to be a serial killer or something like that. But, again, it's just linking back to that 
you know, new lamppost, and there's no reason to feel that way. The new lamppost that's also an old lamppost, it's described as being yes, yes. weathered, and that's that, mmm, mmm. And, it, and it's also one of those things where, have you ever been in that situation where it's like, has that always been there in this neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, do, that do effect. I, do I not get out enough to not notice this? This, this, the story almost has the same effect in my mind, uh, although much better, of Baron Stain versus Baron Stein. <laughs> oh, yeah, that debate. <laughs> That's some funny stuff. Ah, oh, my God. It is true, though. When, when you find those little interruptions or you find you suddenly notice something that you, makes you question, wait, has it always been this way? And you doubt for a minute. You, you doubt it because you're sure it always has been. But there's this little seed that tells you something's not quite right here. Mm-hmm. And then it sticks with you because you can't answer it. You didn't pay enough attention. And it's like, I think that's a very important part of uh, Creepypasta as well, is missing information yes. that, that you, when, when there's a blank, when it's, it's the whole uh, prank of letting, the senior prank of letting three pigs loose in a school and painting one, two, and four on their sides. <laughs> and the, the you know, faculty chase down the three pigs and keep looking for pig number three. Uh, I, it's, it's, you're completing the information by reading it. I've, so the, the gaps in between the information you don't have are filled in uh, by your own mind, and your mind can come up with some sick shit. <laughs> I've never heard of this practice before. Is this an Ohio thing? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure I'm fairly certain quite a few people have done this prank, and no one does it anymore because everyone caught on to the joke. Ah, because I'm down for having pigs run around in places. I like pigs. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, it is, it is funny. It is funny to <laughs> think of uh, just being somewhere and. Actually, it reminds me of a, a story a while ago that I heard. Uh, it was a somewhat local story. Somebody, like maybe two weeks ago, released an entire truck of live turkeys into a town. <laughs> Can you just imagine what being oh in town God. and a whole storm of turkeys just tears through the street? <laughs> that oh was an episode God. of Bob's Burgers. You are remembering things wrong. <laughs> No, I swear to God, this happened. For real? It was on the news. That's great. <laughs> you know I, I remember one time, it was very strange. I was just, you know, relaxing in my parents' house and everything, and um, we had the back door open, and then all of a sudden, a white pit bull just, like, runs into the house and just, like, comes up to us to get petted, and we're like, what the fuck? And apparently, the, the it, it was fat ass, too, and it just, like, knocked over the fence and just came into our yard and just came into our house like, hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> Aw. <laughs> How are you guys I, doing? I don't have any... I feel, off the top of my head, I can't think of any weird stories like that. I'm sure they exist. But... That, that, yeah, it's one of those things that, that sometimes they don't really stick out to you. Uh, when I, In the town I grew up in, there was a grocery store that I'm fairly certain used to be a either a slaughtering house or... Um, a hotel or something, but it, it always struck me as weird because there was like a bunch of dumb waiters around the the building, mm. and that just like always struck me as off. And I did, 
didn't well rather it didn't strike me as off it, it just like was a scene i was used to so then when i started going to other grocery stores i saw that they didn't have those things and i always wondered what they were for and i didn't like understand what it was my mind was missing but it was just missing this weird thing that i would become accustomed to you know yeah wow man grocery stores would be a lot more interesting if they had some weird out of place stuff in them that you're if all grocery stores had that effect to them, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it, it makes me... Uh, I, I enjoy going into um, warehouses now because you, you do get that sense that, you know, this could be the setting of something mysterious that happened here or just strange. And if you're walking alone in a, alone in a warehouse, like a full warehouse, something old, something dusty, it, it gives you that sense of that, that eerie feeling. Mm-hmm. It just feels good. <laughs> oh, it yeah. does. It does. I mean, you look at you look at all the people now. Like uh, exploring abandoned places is like a big thing now. Doing abandoned area photography, and it oh has been God, for a while. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, speaking on on the subject matter of like, you know, grocery stores and department stores. Have you ever heard of the twenty dollar game? No. You go into a Walmart oh. with twenty dollars. And some friends, and your goal is to meet outside using that $20 to buy things that will tell a morbid story. <laughs> so, essentially, you're trying to make the person who's checking you out think that you're doing something illegal or something insidious. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, I'm buying some shotgun shells and some dog food. Oh, man. And so, and so that just goes back to that thing of, like, connecting the dots for people uh or rather just putting putting the dots there and letting them connect it themselves yeah oh that's wonderful you know what for all of our uh listeners out there uh now you have something fun to do this october yeah (laughs) get out there and uh play the 20 dollar game um because you know walmart Walmart's kind of terrible anyway, so just make, then, make it make it make it more interesting. Brian and employees day. Yes. Because <laughs> really, sometimes all they have is their their interactions with other people. And can you just imagine coming home from a job at Walmart saying the weirdest thing happened to me today? Look, <laughs> it may terrify them at the time, but the story they'll have to tell as a result will echo. Indefinitely. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we might as well. Okay. So that was another round of Short and Shivery, and I hope you guys uh, enjoyed those. Uh, if you are a fan of similar eerie stories and brought into the you know a radio play aspect, check out the, um, and I know most of you do, but check out the actual show I produce on this, on this this in this vein, uh, Midnight Marinara, the main course episodes, if you like those. And you can find those through uh, through here. Um, and otherwise, you know, keep keep listening to Undercook Analysis. That's that's a good thing. Uh, uh, Dead Palette. Uh, I have a Etsy page called uh, Palette Cleansers. So yeah, <laughs> go go look at. Did you know I'm also an artist besides being an asshole who <laughs> writes things and then narrates them? No, I didn't know this. Oh my god. No, I didn't. That's my that's my plug. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. 
And uh, I am uh, Nick Nocturne, the Nightmind channel here on YouTube. I cover uh, a lot of similar material, more in uh, Longstorm Fory. Longstorm Long Story aspects. Are you, are you okay? Are you that okay? was all right. There was something, How many holders something... am I fanging up? <laughs> there was something Freudian about that. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yep, I've, uh, right now covering Everyman Hybrid, and specifically for uh, anybody who has it in mind, right now I would very much appreciate it if any of you out there know, say, an indie monster or just indie material like what's covered here, like we enjoy, that deserves more recognition. Send me a link over on the Nightmind Tumblr. I am on Tumblr. Uh, you can find the link in any of my videos on the channel. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could go ahead and uh, send me the information on that. Let me know what you want to see. This gets recognition that you feel it deserves. So, basically, tell Nick about the cool stuff you like. But only his the cool stuff you like that needs attention. Yeah, his plug is plug stuff to him. But don't promote your fan fiction. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will that's not just... be reading any Shadow the Hedgehog fan fiction. No. <laughs> but, but 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 Nick, this is my this is my my Shadow ARG. It's about the space colony arc and. Uh... Does it have a demonic serial killer? <laughs> then Sha get out. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.